Like, poor Man City footballers having to go out and play a game of football. Poor Ilkay Gundogan having to, having to get on a ball and decide which of the nine outfield players that are on the pitch with him that cost a minimum of 50 million quid is he going to pass it to? Like, does Martin Tyler think Gundogan was up until three in the morning pouring over case law, doing an online course in corporate governance or fucking financial reporting? <laughs> Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal. Which he accepted... With one proviso. I'll always be a Villa fan. I love this club with all my heart. I'll see you all again soon. Until next time. Uh, well, is this next time? Is this us seeing him again soon? <laughs> is this love? Like, this is... Honestly, like, I, I... As recently as this week, I've been having arguments because for any non-Irish listeners, Jack Grealish is a very divisive character in Ireland. I know he's a divisive character in a lot of other places as well, but... Because he played for the Irish underage system, and then he went and, and played with England, and which which I defend because a lot of uh, Irish players have done similar, um, and he is an English person. So you know, as, as sad as it was to see him leave Ireland, uh, why am I like I'm not getting into this anyway? There's more important things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but as recently as this week, somebody has been saying to me, "You used to love Jack Reilly." Like that, that that says everything about you. I'm actually friends with this person, but um, uh, but I'd still defend him. Say so Jack Grealish is a good lad. Like you know, he's actually a good lad. It's it's annoying that he left Villa, but you know he's, he does a lot of good work. He, he seems really sound. He seems like a normal person. Fuck off! <laughs> like, this like this ripped my stomach. Out. Like I, I I've never fully gotten over this whole saga, this whole love affair. I've always hoping that he would just come back and uh, at some stage, you know, come back in my arms. Really, never mind Villa, but. Like I just I loved him too much. He was too important for me. He was a uh, shining light in a really, really dark period. Like it, it meant a lot. Like Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish was what twenty-one years of age, and he was the screensaver on my laptop. How sad is that? Like a twenty-one-year-old is a screensaver on my laptop. And look, what he did today is just—it's disgusting. And like we need to clarify this. Anytime Jack Reilly's dived in a Villa shirt, we always said Jack Reilly's dives in a Villa shirt. Anytime any Villa player dives in a Villa shirt, we generally call them a scumbag. And that was a scumbag move from Jack Reilly, but it was a bigger scumbag move because he's diving against his boyhood club. They're 2-0 up. He's diving. He's cheating for the cheats against his boyhood club. He's diving against a homegrown player for his boyhood club, and he's trying to he's trying to fuck us over by doing something so dishonest and so lacking in integrity. It's honestly it's made me sick to the stomach, and there's nowhere else to start but that. As hurt as as hurt as you were when Jack Reedy left, it's sometimes like you just haven't realized yet that he has in fact left Aston Villa. And yeah. It's not that surprising that he's diving and cheating because it's not just Jack Reedy, is it? I mean, everybody is to blame here. The commentary, let's just have a quick a quick scout over the commentary there. He's played for that. He's clever. He knows exactly what he's doing. Some people may not like it. Do you like it, you fucking bum fluff weirdo? Like, <laughs> We need to be united in this. Like we, we can't fucking scream abuse at people for diving at the same time as praising people for this. And that's what it is when you say he was clever. When you say he was clever, when you say he won it, you're praising him. See what happened. Jack Grealish, Man City's 100 million pound winger, ran across our academy graduate, Jacob Ramsey. Their legs kissed. Grealish tripped himself put his left foot back on the ground, realised he was playing for Man City and he was in the Villa box and then flopped forward rather than continuing to play football because he knew how daft referees are and how kind co-commentators are. And there's no way a ref that spends the rest of the week in the gym and getting a haircut you could set your fucking watch to is given that as a foul on the halfway line. (laughs) Fucking let it flow. 
He's let it flow out of his arse because a top six team are in the box. <laughs> and then, and then you fucking Roy Keane. Like, to be fair, he says he's more like Tom Daly. But then he falls into the same trap of calling him clever and calling JJ naive. Roy yeah. Keane praising diving, praising cheating. People are so thick, so affected by the first person who speaks in a group. I'm sure sitting in that studio, knowing you're being broadcast to a few million people is tough. Your heart rate's up. It's hard to keep your thoughts straight. The heat of the studio lights. They must have fucking melted his mind. Just fucking remember what happened and don't just go with what Kelly has fed you or what Gary said in commentary. In commentary. Jacob Ramsey is running back towards the byline and he's calling him naive because Jack really just cheated. Nonsense as he'd fucking say himself. Yeah. And there's and so many people implicated in this as well. I mean, it's guys' decision to start reporting fouls one. You don't win a foul. You either get fouled or you've cheated. Yeah. The Jacob Ramsey naive thing is pathetic because Roy Keane, of all people, can you imagine if Jacob Ramsey was a bit more wise, to use his uh, terms, if he stood back and let Jack Grealish continue running on into the box? What would Roy Keane be saying about Jacob Ramsey there? What would Gary Neville be saying about Jacob Ramsey? They wouldn't be calling him wise. They wouldn't be saying, oh, he wasn't naive there. At least he stood back and let Jack Grealish run on. They'd be calling him an idiot. They'd be saying it's not good enough. They'd be saying there's no heart. They would be having a field day on Jacob Ramsey's carcass for not running in. But Jacob Ramsey does run in because he's running in to make an honest challenge because Jacob Ramsey is an honest player. And he's, and he's not, I say challenge, he's just shadowing Jack Grealish. He's running in dangling his leg we can actually work backwards here right because the important thing is here because people will get bogged down in whether there was contact or not whether it was a foul or not do you see whether you think that was a foul or not jack really dived whether whether jacob ramsey actually fouled him and you thought it was a penalty even if we disagree on that we all have to agree there's no debate we know that jack really then dived and the fact that he did that against aston villa 2-0 up for Man City against Jacob Ramsey is utterly disgusting. It's vile. But now we can we can actually then talk about the rest of it because he is dangling his leg out. He's waiting for the contact. You're right, he gets the contact and then he bangs it into his own leg. And then in the most pathetic, embarrassing, like he, I really do hope he feels a bit of shame now when he looks back on that. I hope he's afraid to go onto his phone when he looks back to see where his left leg ended up then after kicking himself and then throws his left leg, what, a metre out to the left and plants it down as he's throwing his hands into the air and throwing his hair back. It's so sad. <laughs> I'm like, how, how, how do you get to that stage as a footballer? Like, how can he not even dive properly after so much experience with it and so much practice? Like, how can he not dive better than that? Nobody falls to the ground like that. And, yeah, once again, it's, it's another... Like it, it says more, it's indicative of the referee as well then, that they would think that that's a natural thing when somebody gets tripped. They get tripped and then, what, a half a second later, their foot goes out to the left and then he falls over? Come on. Yeah, but like, yeah, and that, that's, you've called the, the movement of his body spot on there, other than the fact that his toes actually hit the ground and you can see then he decides to move forward flat as you like. It's fucking unbelievable. It's pathetic and I don't know how someone's mind goes to that. I know you're being drilled whenever you're a youngster, to, to fucking win penalties, to win fouls, to let the foul come, to let the contact come. But come on, like he, the game has moved on even now. Surely, surely we all can now understand that that's what people are doing. How many times have Jack Greeley's been called out for this in the past and he still has no shame? And he's got no shame because fucking morons like Roy Keane and Gary Neville are praising him in the studio. Yeah, well, that was the third goal. We can um, we can go back to the rest of them now. Interestingly, we're talking about Sky Sports. I don't know if you remember, Sky came back from the ad break. You know, Kelly Cates is narrating, saying, Man City have won 3-1 here at the Etihad, and they're giving us the rundown of the game. They forgot to show the Villa goal. <laughs> showed the three Man City goals, even showed the foul. Like, they had enough time to show the Villa goal, a lovely Villa goal, and uh, they, you know that was it. That was their wrap of the game. Like The big six team scored all three goals. But the first goal was really sad, and before it became a bit of a shit show, I was like, Jesus, imagine this is what we're going to lose to. Just a, a, just a really, not even routine corner, a, a really short corner. And like, you can look at it and say corner, header, goal, which is what it was. Kamara loses his man. It's a good header. 
but like has Kamara never defended a corner before because he got caught a couple of times in this. <laughs> and then Zemi brought him to this. Like it's, it's his near post. It doesn't seem to get down quickly enough. It is a good header, though. Yeah, the first thing to say, it's a very, very good header from the £70 million defensive midfielder that they've got. It's not, <laughs> it's not particularly good from our free transfer defensive midfielder who falls asleep and then wakes up in a panic and runs into our £30 million record signing. And it's 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 not very good from fucking Nanny McPhee either, who despite his name appears to have never worked with Young. Ashley is far too far forward. I mean, the whole between him and Watkins is fucking gaping and of course we get fucked and even if our 37 year old free transfer right back is told to stand six yards past the front post which I doubt he was maybe he was he has to take that into his own hands turn around and drift back a yard or two the space is far too big and it's it's pathetic from Ollie Watkins to allow himself to be blocked off like that like he needs to fuck Silva out of the way there I know he costs 50 million quid, but he's not carrying it around with him. He's not being weighed down by gold bullion. Move him out of the way. You're Ollie fucking Watkins. And it's Bernardo Silva shifting. Yeah. I actually didn't even notice that until Ollie Watkins was being interviewed afterwards and he called back to that goal. He was saying it wasn't good enough from the team. He said they were too soft, but he said he was the biggest perpetrator in that. He said it wasn't good enough. Um, I shouldn't be letting somebody get past me like that. He should be stronger. He should be more aggressive, basically, what he was saying. And he said he feels like it cost the team today. Um, we'll come back to Watkins anyway, but the, there was a disallowed goal then in the first half from Erling Haaland. And, I mean, we can add Man City to the list of entities that Gary Neville has crawled up their backsides. <laughs> I mean, what is going on here? So, Emmy Martinez has come out to catch a ball, and Haaland, what, what weight would he be? 16 stone, maybe? <laughs> Definitely 14 at least. And I know footballers are very trim, very low body fat, but clatters into him. Gary Neville said he's not sure he did much wrong there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and this, this is I suppose where the whole loving started then with Gary Neville, who was also asked about the. The protests and the cheating, which we'll come to in WhatsApp winges, actually, but he didn't actually say anything on it. This is on Man City's 115 charges. Actually, ironically, he said they feel hard done by over the 115 charges. Like what? What a <laughs> sentence! He just summed up how they feel, how the Man City fans feel, how the players feel, how the manager feels. Great, thanks for that, Gary. That was valuable. <laughs> Yeah, and the all our valuable contribution he had was in the lead up to the disallowed goal or in the highlights afterwards. So he's had time to see it live and then also watch the highlights. And he's asking, "Where are his eyes? Where are his eyes?" I'm, his I'm not. I'm not sure he's done much wrong there. Where are your eyes? I know where your head is. It's up fucking Man City's hole. Like, is Gary Neville telling us that every time he's fouled someone, it was intentional? He's looked at the man and decided, I'm going to take him out. Yeah. We've all seen you play, Gary. We've all seen you in the tunnel with Vieira. We've all seen you trying to grow facial hair. Stop trying to act the fucking big man. <laughs> and then also the most re- the really frustrating thing about that was as well, Martin Tyler piping up to tell us that Man City playing the ball in behind or doing what they should have done against Spurs. Callum Chambers doesn't play for Spurs. Like, <laughs> this isn't City correcting something from the previous week. Like, can you imagine if De Bruyne looked up and saw Haaland on Chambers' shoulder and didn't toss the ball in behind? Guardiola would be pulling his hair out of his face. <laughs> yeah, because he kept going then for that second goal. De Bruyne's... It was a Hail Mary ball. Haaland was the only Man City player in Villa's half of the pitch. There were four Villa defenders and Emmy Martinez. And De Bruyne... Gary Neville was creaming himself about this pass. This pass that was about... 15 metres wide of where Haaland's run was going. <laughs> he was creaming himself about Haaland's run and his power. Haaland's power, which had him about 15 metres wide of where the ball was ending up. And all that happened was Callum Chambers. <sighs> Callum Chambers? Like, what, what happened? I don't know. He fell into the ball face first under no pressure. I don't <laughs> even think he freaked himself out because Haaland was actually nowhere near him. And all that happened then was... Chambers was lying, Matt Target style, face planted on the grass. And Haaland then had a chance when he realised, oh, there's nobody over there. I will now sprint across and beat the goalkeeper to the ball. The goalkeeper who thought, maybe I should just back off back into my line here. And that was the right thing to do. Only Callum Chambers is now defending Haaland. 
And he's jumping in there, and as he jumps in there, Haaland just says, "All right, I'll just go the other way then and play the ball across the box." It was like this was this goal was Callum Chambers, nothing else. But obviously, Neville thought it was a brilliant pass from De Bruyne and an unbelievable run from Haaland. Do you remember when people claimed Gerard getting Callum Chambers on a free transfer was a great bit of business? Yeah, I'm just gonna let that hang out there. I mean. <laughs> Callum Chambers' approach to defending a bad ball played around the corner is to get onto his knees and pray, like pray, <laughs> praying to God that there's nothing behind him, crawling along the ground, begging for mercy. God can't hear you, Callum. He left the club 26 years ago. He was he was 37. His knees were fucked, but he'd still do a better job than you would. <laughs> he actually would, I think. The, there was one reprieve then in the second half. Like it was, imagine the feeling at half time there. Cause that, like it all happened very quickly, maybe 10 minutes to go before half time. And you know, the Grealish dive, which added the emotion to it all, mistake. You know, it was just a really horrible, I, I knew I shouldn't have watched this game type of vibe. <laughs> so for the second half that we got, it was, it was way better. And the goal was very satisfying because of that, because I just felt this sense of injustice and helplessness and the fact that we got a goal and it was quite a decent goal and we got on top and the subs, which we'll mention, but they sort of helped turn the game. And I mean, big John Duran, we talked about him last week. He picks Bernardo's pocket, really big. He's just got big, lanky legs. They're great and they can move so fast of them as well. And I uh, picked the pocket of Bernardo and then Dougie does the rest to sort of fully turn over the ball. And who's already moving? Like who is already moving at the half side of a ball, maybe being turned over? It's it's Ollie Watkins and the ball's played straight through to him. Great touches, always out of his feet. Great finish. Great finish from Ollie Watkins. It reminded me of that one. Was the one that rolled up for offside a few weeks ago where we couldn't believe that all his touches were perfect and his finish was clinical. This was it now in real time and it was going to count. And... Yeah, just a satisfying goal. Yeah, it's good pressure from Duran and very good shifting of his feet and pressure from Dougie then as well. And we snake hips Ollie tells a kanji a bedtime story. Fucking <laughs> lulls him off to sleep by telling him he's going to cut into three city players and onto his left foot. And then he just roars in his face, wake up, you dozy cunt. I'm going to stay I'm going to stay on my dominant foot and roll this into the bottom corner. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Let's go to WhatsApp, Winches. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. Couple of fines to get through before we get into WhatsApp, Winches. <laughs> Who ran the ball to play today? You're right. You're right. It's Leon Bailey. Come on down to not get your wages. <laughs> um, this was a weird one because he stopped the ball from going out. He stopped Apparently. the ball on the line. And then his trailing leg followed up to finish off the job and kick it out. Um, it was quite annoying. Coutinho also ran the ball out of play. But I think I'm going to use discretion here and let Coutinho away with it because he was good when he came on. So I want to encourage him now, give him a bit of positive reinforcement. Just on the Bailey one, I mean, it was so fucking prophetic of what was to come. Gary Neville was almost slagging off Leon Bailey for not going down under the tackle from Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. A, a, a smarter footballer would have won a penalty there, Conan. Yeah. Fucking cunt. <laughs> um, Bailey, I mean, if he thought he was only going to get a one-week fine, I don't even know what the length of fine should be for this. It's definitely a month t- uh, category, I think. Second half, guiding the ball out for a throw-in. A Man City throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> Holding off the defender, watching that ball go out of play only for the linesman to <laughs> point his flag in the other direction. And then what does he do? He picks up the ball and starts walking into the pitch of it. He starts helping them to waste time yet again. And they all just watch him carry the ball away and drop it in field and nobody goes to get it. It was like he forgot all the fundamentals of football, all you know, the rules and what the objective of the sport was. You know, if you touch the ball and it goes over to play, it's the opposition's ball. If you're behind, you're trying to fucking score to win. You need as much time as possible. Strange couple of moments in his mind there. Uh, maybe a fine for the management team for the working out from the back process. Just, just one real one to keep an eye on here. It was Emmy Martinez goal kick to Callum Chambers, who's in the box. 
and he has to blast a clear anyway. <laughs> like Callum Chambers doesn't even make it over the halfway line, and it was just one of those ones where again, all happy to work it out from the back, all happy to try keep the ball. What is the point of our goalkeeper passing to the centre half who, who doesn't have a Tyrone Mings kick? He just tries to reach the halfway line and fails, finds a Man City player. Yeah, you didn't need the in the box part of the first sentence you uttered there. Goal yeah. kick to Callum <laughs> Chambers. John Duran. Again, we'll let him wave it. He hasn't even started a game yet, but he tried a 35-yard-plus shot. And 35? He... <laughs> he slipped on his hole. Um, yeah, maybe 40 was definitely the John McGinn territory. The whole reason for it is fine. Um, and it, it was just compounded with, what did he do? Did his two legs just slip into it in the end? It was, uh, uh, it was a sorry sight anyway, whatever came of it. Yeah, you know the way you want your your old heads and the captains, you know, talking to the new recruits, the young lads, get them under their wing, showing them a thing or two. Is the only thing that Ashley Young has shown Duran is clips of our three million pound captain John McGinn lining up shots from forty yards out before realizing the barrel's been fucking blocked and he's just going to shoot himself in the face. Like this is this is the Aston Villa way, John. You won't go too far wrong if you follow Guinea's example. <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, Aina Kavanagh did also tweet us, and he said, "Take your time, Buendia and Bailey. It's only three <laughs> nil." That was like that was the longest. Like even Martin Tyler was complaining about. Uh, he he said something like, "Oh, you think we'd think of a faster way to make subs?" And I was thinking, "This is all Villa's fault. They're just wasting time." Like Villa seemed to be very happy with this. Like Buendia was obviously at the other side of the pitch, but it felt like. It felt like the Truman Show, you know, the way the same person keeps walking past the window. It felt like he was just going by the same route over and over. Like, it wouldn't finish this walk. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? The refs don't give a flying fuck if you're the team that's behind. Yeah. That they won't just tell you to get off the other side really angrily as if you're cheating. It was so, so bizarre. And then Martin Tyler starts saying that using the number boards is really complicated. Tries to Tries to <laughs> excuse this. As, as if the assistants are, have got a tough job here, doing the only thing that they seem to do during the game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's go into the first WhatsApp one. The Man City chant. Fuck Premier League. Fuck Premier League. Fuck, yeah. Please do fuck off. <laughs> Please do. Like, what are you, like, what are you crying about? Why are you so hell-bent on fighting this, protesting it. If you really do want to say fuck Premier League, trust me, all of us are delighted with that. Everybody would be happier. Premier League would be happier without you and your 115 offences so far. And you're obviously going to be happier with the Premier League. So let's just let's just call it a day there. Let's, let's split it off. It was weird, wasn't it, though? I mean, t- to be fair to Man City and their fans, as Martin Tyler told us, of course, in commentary, it's not easy to come out and play in these circumstances. What exactly are those circumstances, Martin? Ha- having to go out and play with a team that cost over £600 million, plus whatever extras they gave to Haaland's agent and his dad. That's the nature of the infringements, like, yeah, it made it easier. <laughs> Like poor Man City footballers having to go out and play a game of football. Poor Ilkay Gundogan having to having to get on a ball and decide which of the nine outfield players that are on the pitch with him that cost a minimum of 50 million quid is he going to pass it to? Like, does Martin Tyler think Gundogan was up until three in the morning pouring over case law, doing an online course in corporate governance or fucking financial reporting? <laughs> yeah, it was a whole... like. I actually was already annoyed at City for years. <laughs> and then when the report came out, it was obviously very annoying, especially their lack of um, their lack of communication and their, and their lack of cooperation with the with with the, the, the investigation. And then and then like the fact that something like that has whipped up a state of frenzy in that they almost feel hard done by. That they feel a sense of injustice. That Pep Guardiola, like what? What is Pep Guardiola doing? Like currently, yeah, cur- currently the, the the best manager in the world at the minute. Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, probably I'm, I don't know why I'm hesitant to say that. I think I'm just so annoyed at him at the minute. I can but, give you some reasons. Yeah, well, hang on a second. But <laughs> but why why is he coming out? With obviously, well, Ilary has no evidence, or he knows exactly what he's doing. Like this, this is the thing. So either he has no evidence or or he is actually complicit in this where he's 
coming out batting very strongly for Man City and their owners and everything they've done without knowing what's going on or by knowing what's going on. Which one is it? Like, why is this face and this successful manager like helping this cause so so willingly? And then why, why, is he, why is he dragging Steven Gerrard into it? You know, as if Man City, it, it's so strange. It's so it's so um, obvious that people are going after Man City in this way. Then, yeah, let's blame us for everything. Let's blame us for Gerrard slipping. And then the Man City fans, I don't know if you heard it, they were actually singing the Steven Gerrard slipping on his arse song <laughs> in a game between Aston Villa and Man City. Like, not Chelsea, not Liverpool. You and I, Emery, the manager of Aston Villa. Really fucking strange. And it's just mad that like you have these people that are so ready to just bat for them so strongly. Yeah, and he was giving out about the the instinct to to assume that they're guilty. That's because we can see the team that you're fielding. Like that's, <laughs> that's because no matter how much your lawyers cover themselves in grease to squeeze through as many legal loopholes as possible to slip away from UEFA, we can see that a club with the fans who can just about create the same level of atmosphere as Denmark versus Tunisia in Qatar. A club like that shouldn't be able to spend four hundred million pound on defenders in three years. Like we can see that. And the other big thing that they were that they were charged with is not cooperating. And I don't want to come across like I'm in a nineties cop film here, Conan, but you know, innocent people don't run. <laughs> Yeah. Why, do you, why do you think they mightn't be cooperating? I mean, this isn't this isn't exactly difficult stuff. And Pep Guardiola coming out to bat this because Pep Guardiola knows that his legacy is in question here because Pep Guardiola is so terrified of people on Twitter to call him Fraudiola. And like, listen, they, they, some of those people have a point. I mean, in his last season at Barcelona, he had Messi running around scoring 73 goals, but Pep led them to second place. Finished nine points behind fucking Igoiger Mourinho's Real Madrid, and we're knocked in the Champions League by Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. <laughs> and his first year at treble winners, Baron, they were beaten five 0 by Real Madrid in the Champions League. He didn't even win the double in his second season. Oh, but he played Philip Lam out of position. You know who didn't play Philip Lam in midfield? Treble winner Yupinkas. Like, do, do you know who had to play Philippe Coutinho in midfield? Treble Windsor winner Hansi Flick and I I know that everyone knows that the Bundesliga is a one-sided league but let's just briefly step through how bad it really is Bayern Munich have won the last 10 titles it doesn't matter who the manager is Niko Kovac won the double in his only full season he was hounded out by November the following year do you know who he's managing now of course you don't. He's just some manager. Any manager who took over and won the double. It's not a league. It's a fucking procession. Barry Munich literally take the best player from the second best team. From the second best team in the same league. It's insane. They signed, they signed Goetze in Pep's first year. Then Lewandowski the following year. Then they left him alone for a year. And then they signed Mats Hummels. <laughs> Can you imagine if City signed Salah in 2018 and then Manny? And then the following year signed Van Dijk? <laughs> the, the Bundesliga is a fucking joke. And, and regardless of how good a coach Guardiola is, but the, how, no matter how well he's taken Cruyff's template and superimposed better players onto it, anyone, anyone <laughs> could do what he did at Bayern. As demonstrated by the fact that everybody has... I didn't, I didn't expect us to be going so mad after Pep's legacy here, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's food for thought. So, are you? Is this all sparked off by me saying that I, I think he is the most, uh, the, the best manager to man? <laughs> sparked off by the fact that he's a bald twat. <laughs> uh, I forgot we're in WhatsApp when just a uh, second. <laughs> <laughs> the second and last WhatsApp wins. Uh, yeah. Add Kanza, add McGinn to the list. Chatting to fucking Grealish afterwards. <laughs> you, do you know that Michael Collins gif where the guy's writing down the names of people who <laughs> are um, going on to the list? Traders. Like, and I know, I know Matt Cash is still on a WhatsApp group with him as well. Him and Matt Target. I know that he's still in that group. So I was actually... I'm such a loser. I thought of that today, thinking, oh yeah, thank God I see Young's playing. 
because because Mad Cash should be too friendly with him, too pally, too deferential. Whereas Ashley Young doesn't give a fuck. Um, but yeah, like that's uh, sorry. Anyway, the point is, Conzo again chatting to him afterwards reminded me of um, Richard Dunn sitting down chatting to Thierry Henry after Thierry Henry's handball against Ireland two thousand nine. Ah, now Terry Henry came over and sat next to Richard Dunn as he was lying on the ground, realizing that his World Cup dream had been crushed despite his best efforts out in Moscow. Like that, that wasn't a, Richard Dunn didn't go over and put his arm around Thierry and ask him yeah. how things are going. But I still remember the feeling of get up and get away from him. Like, what, why are you letting him feel better about himself by sitting here chatting to you? Maybe he was asking him some questions about whether or not Pep Guardiola really was a fraud. <laughs> All right, let's leave it there. We'll come back with the awards. All these. Right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Somebody called me a wanker. Let us mourn. Somebody called me a freak. We, we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. Somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Did these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it? It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. It's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. <laughs> Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Let's start with a Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. <laughs> we already talked about Callum Chambers' Matt Target impression for the <laughs> Holland assist. I mean, it's going to take some beating, to be honest. I've got three other nominations. One of them was John Duran's shot as well, in fairness, even though he's being fined and even though it was a shot, I think it does come into the What the Fuck category. The decision and the execution. The... This is the bad shot. We'll come back to the good shot. <laughs> Very happy with the execution. Of the, yeah. um, there were two other nominations then outside of that. Ezra Konza, at the start of the second half, ball came in from the left-hand side. He stops the ball dead. He tees up Julian Alvarez, basically. <laughs> He's able, he tried to clear it. I think he was in two minds between blocking it and clearing it. And he, in the end, he just took a lovely touch in the box and Alvarez took it off <laughs> and set up Rodri. Good save by Amy Martinez. And then I think the one that is challenging Callum Chambers most has to be poor Amy Buendia. I mean, have you seen a recovery run like this from this man before? The speed of him, the intensity, the, like, the, the passion... And he gets back and he gets in front of Walker and you thought, oh my God, he's about to nip the ball and take it away. Bang! Walker bodies him and he falls, he falls to the ground. And it just uh, it wasn't a good side for Emmy Buendia who had run 60 yards to get back into that position. And Walker just flung him off him like a gnat. You know, just, just get away from me, you, would you? Like a little pest. Although, you know, Maybe he should have just let Walker go on anyway because Walker ended up just giving us the ball straight back and went the, uh, in fairness to him to give him his due, got back on his feet, took the ball, played a lovely little pass inside to Douglas Lewis. I couldn't believe when I when I saw this. I mean, it looked fake. It, it looked like it looked like one of those videos where they've where they've cropped out Buendia and then it just keep making him tumble past different landscapes. You know, out of the stadium into a taxi into the airport. It was <laughs> it was so bizarre, but. <clears throat> Once Buendia develops even the semblance of a mind-body connection, like we might have a real footballer there, because whatever about his lack of power, how does he not know he has a lack of power? How does he not know how much he weighs or how fast he is, even comparatively, even ballpark? I mean, he's 26 years old, Conan, and he still can't figure out that if he runs into Kyle Walker, he's going to bounce off Kyle Walker. (laughs) He needs needs to be clever about this. He needs to find a different way to tackle. He needs to find a different way to step around people when he's on the ball as well. I think it's insane he's gotten to this far, not only in his career, in his life, not understanding that. Mm. Yeah. Do you think it beats the Callum Chambers? What the fuck? I don't think it does. There was another very 
brief Callum Chambers one as well, which we completely got away with. But he had his arms crossed in the box like he was protecting his chest from a an absolutely shit mishit volley that just was bouncing into Emmy Martinez's hands. And he throws an elbow, an elbow out towards it. Like he's, he's in the box and he throws an elbow towards the ball. What a fucking idiot. The shot was going nowhere as well. I would actually have been surprised if it would have made it to the goal line. That's what you're yeah. dealing with him. No, his first mistake makes the is the winner. Yeah. Let's go to the Rosenthal Award. Started so well. First couple of seconds, if we can all think back to then, like the, the opening move, it was um here we are talking about playing it out from the back. Martin is the Chambers, and Chambers goes long. He goes long to the big man, Emmy Buendia. <laughs> <laughs> and Emmy Buendia holds it up. This is the problem, because he's so good in the air, and sometimes he is good of his chest. Yeah, maybe maybe he can't fool himself. He fools me anyway, holds it up. And he, he just dinks it out to Luca Dean, and Luca Dean plays it straight down the line to Watkins, who burns Kyle Walker. I don't know what's happened there. Like Walker, well, you know, Watkins is obviously powerful, but Walker just seemed to be sleeping a few times during this game. Um, and Watkins does it perfectly to Bailey. Oh, shit enough touch, shit shot, and it's a corner, and it's over. Yeah, really disappointing. Really, really good start to the game. Exactly the type of move you'd think we'd be putting together for, for the majority of the game and constantly and repetitively anytime we got the ball, which we didn't. But surely all would have ended up with Leon Bailey taking a bad touch and a bad shot anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Martin has had a couple of saves. Uh, Gundogan, Chambers are just beaten far too easily. He just, he just lacks pace and ball just played around him and Martinez made the save anyway it was like it was yeah it was gone the one should have scored and went wide of Martinez's right post but Kevin Chamber, De Bruyne Chambers actually looked surprised when he turned around there he, he actually yeah. jumped into the air I mean if there was a unidirectional mic lined up there you would have heard him Whoa! Like, it was it was unbelievable <laughs> I, I actually couldn't believe what I was watching <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne it's a bit too easy from our midfielders like it just like, I, mean, I mean I was going to do an Ashley Westwood award but I thought, ah, it's a bit harsh playing against Man City and people are going to not have the ball. But Bubakar Kamara didn't have a good game again today. Like He just had a very quiet game. And this one was just Kevin De Bruyne just basically running through your midfield. And that's the one where it goes to Grealish and he, he tries to shoot, whip it round, and Martinez saves that one as well. Um, yeah, and then there was a... Ugh, should have been a chance, but it never came to a chance. Kyle Walker, I'm talking about him dozing. He tries that stupid ball across from right back into the middle of the pitch. Bailey intercepts it, and then he falls into the ball. Like, <laughs> Jesus, have you seen a worse second touch in all your life? Like, if that's the one where, um, was it Diaz that, that minced him? I don't like those challenges, really, but almost thinking, yeah, Bailey deserves that for a shit touch. <laughs> <laughs> but Diaz has to do that I mean the ball all of a sudden and completely out of nowhere the ball has just presented itself to Diaz and he has to go shit I better get to that now because this guy is yeah. completely cocked up the touch is dreadful and on paper that's what you would have wanted to see there like that was Kyle Walker couldn't have made a bigger mistake he yeah. played the ball to Leon Bailey one on one for centre half and yeah. completely gets away with it one on one, and Watkins had actually again. Walker was still sleeping because Watkins made up the ground. Then he he would have made that a two on one if it was needed, but I don't think it was needed. I was just I was just expecting to see Bailey to, well to, to not roll it into the defender, but just to be able to shift it. He has he has him one on one. Like he, you've got all the space. It's not a one on one down the wing. It's it's you and this big centre back in the middle of the pitch, just go whatever way you want now and smack that ball. And that's the thing, yeah, he doesn't even have to shift it. I mean, it, it's him with a centre half standing 40 yards out in the middle of the pitch. There's so much space, just knock it to the side. Because Diaz is kind of coming towards it as well, so he's not set up defensively to run back. He's he's standing square, <laughs> knock the ball around him. Mm. Kanza had a great block on Julian Alvarez. A good cross from Grealish after a bad touch from Grealish. Uh, Kanza just read it really well. Alvarez had it at the back post. Kanza blocked it wide and gave a little wink and Martinez was loving it. Like that was that was brilliant stuff. The We had two more shots then, like two more chances from our point of view. Obviously the John Duran shot. That was that was amazing Like because it was just... Martinez up to Watkins, flick it on, and John Durant's through, and bang, like what a strike that was. It was brilliant touch, brilliant strike. I want to see more of this because I actually think we could see we could see teams being opened up by that play because Watkins is that good and 
Duran does look that good as well. Like, let's see these two combine a bit more. Yeah, I would, I'd love to see them combine. And I'd love to see them start the next game together against Arsenal as well. Just that extra bit of power that Duran seems to have over Bailey as well would work well, work better against the, the Arsenal backline because he seems to have the other things that Leon Bailey purportedly has as well. And that shot was ridiculous. I, mean, I think Gary Neville surprisingly called it really well. The touch just off his knee as he's turning to just get the strike away so quickly because nobody yeah. is expecting it at all. I mean, Ederson's just standing there. He just has no idea what has happened. I mean, by the time he sees the ball, it's coming back off the crossbar. It was so unlucky. And it got to the stage then where we had a free or whatever late on or Martinez had the ball and I was like, come on, just play it up to them. And and that's, the ref gave the softest free ever. At the very end of the game, just gave it against Watkins. Like, nobody was looking for a foiler, and he said Watkins had his hands up too high or whatever. Referee was a knobhead, but the <laughs> only other chance to mention was... Is that the first time we saw that Coutinho shot? Yes. <laughs> I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, oh yeah. Like It only took him a year to figure out where that top corner was again. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and like so many villains before him, he really turned it on when we were 3-0 down. Yeah, yeah. I do like being 3-0 down, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> What do you think from a Villa point of view then was the biggest one? Like Bailey's chance at the start didn't look much, but it should, it should, that, that was basically our goal against Man United. He got his touch right against Man United and he got his finish. He got David De Gea in goal for Man United. Um, the interception maybe is the, the bigger one, though, the interception on Walker. Um, the Coutinho and Duran shots were obviously very close, but like they just made those through brilliant shots. Yeah, like the, the two Bailey ones are the two biggest cock-ups, but it just really goes to show you that when you when your top scorer plays for West Ham United, you're going to find it difficult to get clear-cut chances. <laughs> uh, the You Like Them Whelan take a 90th-minute penalty award. And look, I'm in bad form today, so nobody's going to come away from much very easily <laughs> here today. Like I think Callum Chambers is the most overrated Villa player in history. I, I said this after one game. I told you all Callum Chambers wasn't going to make it. And you laughed and just moved yeah. on as if I was being my, my normal, pessimistic, narky self. I wasn't. I was being a realist. Callum Chambers isn't good enough for Aston Villa. And he never was. He yeah. can't move, Colin. No, and that's like, to be fair to me, I, I do have some receipts that come out positively on my side on this as well. I have questioned Callum Chambers before, but I've maybe been too nice about it. But he's just a classic example, and I have said something to this degree before, but he's a classic example of, he doesn't play, so people assume he's better than he is. He played for Arsenal, so people assume he's better than he is. It was so funny and so typical in commentary where Martin Tyler mentioned we're watching this Callum Chambers shit you and Martin Tyler says, you had him in England squad, didn't you, Gary? <laughs> of course he fucking did. And, and Gary Neville actually calls it right. He says he's not fast enough for right back. He's not strong enough for centre back, you know, among other things. But then I'm wondering, why the fuck is he in England squad then? Like what like you just said, he doesn't like it. He doesn't have any of the qualities to be good enough for any of these positions. And yet you presided over a reign with Roy Hudson that you had him in England squad. Like, yeah, I don't know. Seems like a good lad. We've had fun with him on the ball. Like he definitely has produced some moments of magic on the ball. But my God, like that was some drop off from Tyrone Mings. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny, you know, no matter how many times you're you're given a lesson, I think that's thirteen times in a row now we've lost to City away, and like no matter how many times you buy a ticket to that show, you, you can never remember the script. I mean, I I didn't feel I didn't actually feel too bad about today's game. Like I I knew they were. I knew they were going to be up for it. I knew they were going to want to prove that the amazing squad of players they'd assembled against the league's rules were an amazing squad of players. Like I, I knew I knew all this about City. I knew they'd want to emphasize the injustice they were facing by getting their squad of players that a club like Man City couldn't possibly afford to play to get them to play really well. You know, like that'll show us. But I still thought if if we could keep it tight, get a bit of a bit of anxiety flowing, remind them of the Spurs game, make them make them forget that they're that they're a group of players that a club like Man City couldn't possibly afford. I I thought I thought we might have a chance, and then, and then when I saw our team sheet, I, I looked I looked at the front six and I thought, oh yes, you know, like you, you bad man, you like he's just going with his normal game plan as well. He's gonna put it up to them. Mm. But the problem was, of course, that I just looked at left back to see if he was playing Moreno or Dina, and then I looked at the front six. <laughs> I mean, 
the, the rest of the team was a given as far as I was concerned. And it wasn't until the fucking pre-game interview and the first question began with, Tyrone Mings is out. <laughs> Like, I, I felt like I'd come home and saw my wife wearing a mask and thought she was going to whisk me off to Vienna to a masquerade ball for Valentine's Day. And then she tells me she's off to an eyes wide shut party. There's a fucking, <laughs> there's a Tesco Valley spag ball in the fridge. Don't wait up. <laughs> yeah, and like, do you know what you're saying there about you thought that we would give them a bit of the nerves from the Spurs game? I actually think... It took a bit of time, but after we conceded so early, we settled down and we settled the game down. And I thought, I thought it, it was it was in a bit of control. I, I, I thought we were getting to halftime, no problem, one nil, and we're we're well in this game now because they've they had a couple of chances, and that's it really. It hasn't been that feeling normally when you're playing City, where it's just like, oh my fucking god, like it just put me put me out of my misery. It didn't have that feeling, and then. Chambers did the Chambers thing, and that gave them their second goal, and then and then Grealish died. Obviously, but like this was that that was the changing of the game. Really, I felt like we had eventually like we weathered the storm, and we might have gotten in one nil at halftime. Oh yeah, absolutely sure. Martinez made a save of his feet, and then there was a dive and a and an absolute an absolute howler of a mistake from Callum Chambers. Like City didn't create a whole pile, even during the rest of the game as well. There's one he left out from the from the Ronnie Rossenthal award where Mares absolutely skies one. That's definitely the biggest miss of the oh, game. Yeah, uh, that was definitely the winner. But um, like yeah, they weren't they weren't particularly good. I, I'm just surprised. I was really expecting Camera to come more to the game. Like, you see the way Hoiberg just messed City around? He was just flying at them. And I thought, that's exactly the type of player that Kamara is as well. Let's do that. Let's just get in their faces. Let's be a bit more aggressive. Bit disappointed that he played almost with a back five, back six at times with Jacob Ramsey dropping into Mark Grealish. That was a strange decision. I thought he would have had a bit more congested in around the middle of the pitch. That's what I thought was going to happen based on the team sheet. But Yeah. The Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. The subs were good. And that's something I think that we've been looking at the bench sometimes. Been like, oh, is it that strong? But isn't it funny how Coutinho comes on and plays well? And now suddenly you look at him a bit differently. It's like, well, <laughs> if he's always on the bench, then yeah, that's <laughs> going to be useful. Um, Coutinho was brilliant. I, I thought McGinn added to the game. And John Durand is just exciting. Yeah, like you're, I'm totally in agreement. Like, Let's stop messing around now. Let's get this guy up front against Arsenal because excited me against Leicester. We asked we asked after his debut against Leicester, we asked the question, why did he not start? Because it just showed a showed what he what he can do and how much of a handful he can be. I just love handfuls. Imagine Watkins and Duran. Imagine if Duran is the player that we think he is based on the small window that we've seen. Like that that's a ridiculous front line. Like forwards or defenders. We'll be sitting in the toilet for a week before these boys come to town. Like it's it's a terrifying prospect. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's amazing what your bench can give you whenever it's not giving you Leander Dentonker. It's it's, <laughs> it's it's incredible when you mix it up a little bit what you can actually pull off that bench. But yeah, Duran looks like he's going to be a good player, even just to have that extra body to bring on up front now as well and mix it up a little bit. Brilliant to have John McGinn back. Brilliant, and to have. To have gotten 20 minutes of Felipe Coutinho when we were 3-0 down playing a bit of ball. I suppose that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, let's go to the Weinman meter. And I th- thought it was important to talk about Chambers there because now what I'm going to do is make the case for Chambers going up on the Weinman <laughs> meter. The guy I just said is the most overrated player in Aston Villa history, and that's that's all relative. That's just to how highly I think he has been rated. Remember all the teams we would have seen down through the year or last two years, and I mean, like this should be the Villa team going forward. And Chambers was often in them, and Chambers was always replacing Conza, sometimes replacing Mings. It was saw Chambers and Diego Carlos sometimes. It was a strange thing, but anyway, um, I think he might be going up on the Vimin meter for his block of Jack Grealish's volley from the corner. That that corner that went yeah. right round to the other side of the outside of the box and Grealish he caught it really well. I think it was going. I think it was travelling into the top corner. And Chambers read it well and he jumped up and he got the deflection that put it wide of the post. And 
you know, I, I can't, after, especially after what happened today, I couldn't have seen that volley going into the top corner. That would have been too much. <laughs> so he's going up on the volume meter just because Jack Grealish has plummeted off it and it's just some sort of Newtonian law here where there has to be balance. So Callum Chambers has to go up. Yeah, well, like you think how far Jack Grealish has plummeted off it. Like, yeah, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> Uh, go on all allow it. It's not like he's going to be any threat to making him a case to be on the team because he's gone up the vitamin meter one week. That's a worry if Tyro Mings is injured against Arsenal because like, what do you do? Do you just do you just go with the young lad and put him in? Like I, I don't I don't want to see I don't think I want to see Chambers playing at Arsenal. There's so many things to worry about against against <laughs> Arsenal. I mean <laughs> we, we we're gonna have Lucadinho up against Saka as well. That whole left side of our defence is fucked. It's it's gonna cause us problems and even even actually actually young's been asked to do a lot the last couple of weeks as well is he gonna be able to just go back out and play against martinelli tough mm. tough game going up johan lang for finding john duran <laughs> like apparently this was a, a, a player that he's been after now for a couple of years and let, let's be honest lang has been getting a lot of grief recently a lot of it justified but, <laughs> but this was a good find yeah, do you, do you think that's enough to put him up to after how far? Well, I suppose because he had fallen down so far. He's definitely not back to neutral anyway. Let's put him that. But let's put it that way. But he has crept up after the Callum Chambers and the Philippe Coutinho years. <laughs> going up. Mm, you're going to disagree with this actually, and now I'm starting to disagree with it myself. Ollie Watkins. <laughs> I just remembered the first city goal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the first city goal was dreadful. He has to be better than that. He has to be stronger. He can't let he can't he can't let Bernardo Silva step in front of him in the first place, and he can't let him stay there. It's it's unbelievable. He should be calling Ashley Young back as well. He's done so many things wrong, but he's come out and said that as well. And he took his goal in a most on Ollie Watkins like way. So maybe he can go up. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good goal. That. Going down, a couple going down first. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to go back to Johan. Johan Lange signed Robin Olsen, Conan. <laughs> it's just a permanent veto forever going up again. <laughs> <laughs> um, going down is a question mark because I don't think it, it it's in the spirit of the vitamin meter and it's in the spirit of what this guy has done. But going down, Ashley Young. Yeah, he he wasn't good today. I think he, I I do think it was a strange decision, and I'm not sure if it was if it was necessary to to ask JJ to go out there. But Ashley Young seemed to be more more than happy to let Jacob Ramsey go out and mark Jack Grealish. We all know how good a dribbler Jack Grealish is. And when was the mm. last time you saw Jack Grealish play for Man City where he tried to fucking carry the ball? It, like it's 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 strange. But as soon as he was being marked by an attacking midfielder, he was more than happy to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> also, his fucking hero, Cancelo, the most overrated player in the history of the Premier League, has been flogged as well, so he couldn't just roll it back to him. <laughs> going down, Kamara, going down, Bailey? Ah, yeah, Bailey was dreadful. Kamara, Kamara's definitely going down as well. I mean, I'm surprised at how... Yeah, if there was an Ashley Westwood award this week, that he would definitely be getting. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne certainly didn't fucking notice him whenever he just walked past him in the middle of the pitch. <laughs> Um, going up, continue going up, McGinn going up, Duran. Not too kind or happy enough? Happy enough, Connor. And I think not going up, but it's worth noting that this guy is keeping maintaining a very high standard. Is Dougie Louise? Yeah, yeah, Douglas, Douglas Louise has been amazing for so long now that it's hard to, it's hard to understand how he got his nickname. <laughs> a couple of um. He's got a he's got a really nice habit now at the minute, you know, when he's getting blocked down in the middle of the pitch, like he's, he's getting converged on. He he just dinks it out to the fullback, and you don't even see it, and he forces the fullback to run. Then it it just looks like he's running the road, and he just puts his foot underneath it and scoops it scoops it out in front of a runner. It's a I don't know, it's just a really nice thing when you think we've run out of road, and nah, Dougie Louise has seen something else. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much you can elevate your own game though when you're playing with other players you trust, and even when the setup's better as well. And he obviously trusts Kamara, and the balance of the team works really well with the two of them in there. And that just obviously frees Douglas Louise up to get out of his own head and get out of his own way. And he's just, he's just been so so good, so strong. Yeah. 
questions we can't answer, but probably will. I thought the question here was going to be, will this guy make it till the end of the podcast? But <laughs> how, has, how has Nathan Jones slipped under our radar for so long? <laughs> <laughs> now, unfortunately, he's gone off the radar, so I've had to have pulled the trigger. And, you know, if I knew nothing about Nathan Jones, I might have said, that's harsh. But over the last week, I feel like I've learned too much about Nathan Jones that it only led to one decision, really. It seems like they really got it right because this boy, this boy is mad. Like he's, he's, It's like a real-life David Brent on steroids. It's um fancies himself, but obviously doesn't fancy himself so much to implement this amazing stuff that he could do early on. So his, his famous quote after... Every game it was, they lost second last in his reign. Was I've compromised too much for the supporters and for the club? I'm not going to do that anymore. And he was talking about his own stats. If you go through, if you, was it if you go through the effect of his team, he was one of the most effective managers in, in Europe or something like something so pathetic like that to the Senate himself. But that he's not going to compromise anymore. Like as if that wouldn't have been a good idea from the very offset to just do what you knew was going to work anyway. Um, so he puts it on the plate for the week and it doesn't work then when they're playing Wolves <laughs> and, uh, they were 1-0 up against Wolves Wolves went down to 10 men and he said that that actually suited Wolves not in the old fashioned way where people say that you know oh, well, they, they could just defend deep then normally people say that after a 0-0 he said that when they threw away two goals from a 1-0 lead against 10-man Wolves he said it suited them because the game became a free hit, a shot to nothing, where all the pressure was on us now because we had eleven men. And that, like you know, in between all this, by the way, was a pre-match press conference where he said, again, talking about how great he is and being a football manager, because he could, <laughs> he could have, he could have had a, a, you know, a normal Welsh life. Basically, is what he what he was touching on. He could have been a miner, and he could have been, he could have been working in the coal mines, and he could have had a uh, nice Welsh wife, but he didn't want that. He wanted to be a football manager. That's nothing to do with Welsh women, by the way. That's not a that's not a dig at them. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, please shut up. Like this is I've seen three interviews of this man in all my life and I hope I see no more. It, it's it's uh, you won't don't worry about that. It's it's <laughs> it's absolutely amazing like that people like Nathan Jones still exist. I mean he can't be that daft. Even if he doesn't like the office, he must get it. Like he, he must know what we're laughing at. Even if he respects Brendan Rogers, he must know what we're laughing at. Like he has to have seen this. He has to have seen the memes. Even what age is this man? He must be on some sort of social media. He must at least dally and go in, type his own name into the internet. How has he been able to exist in the world for this long? Like, he could have stayed in a mining town and married a nice Welsh girl. There is no way he could have stayed in a Welsh mining town. He had to get out to increase his chances of finding someone mad enough to put up with him. Like, there's, a, there's a really small probability of that person existing, and it's even smaller in a small community. <laughs> And that's it. Like we're not going to see him again. Like that. In a way, it is sad. <laughs> in a way, I feel like I, I could maybe just hate watch a bit more of Nathan Jones, but <laughs> unfortunately, it's all come down to a very short stint. It reminds me of that Ghostbusters scene where Lewis went up to give a defense of the Ghostbusters. Said, "I turned into a dog one time, and they helped me." <laughs> and then he sat back down, <laughs> and Egon said, "Thanks, Lewis. Short but pointless." <laughs> <laughs> and that was Nathan Jones at Southampton short but pointless so thanks for that and again it's always nice to laugh at all our teams when you're in the in the pits yourself but look we've got league leaders Arsenal next and I think <laughs> I think actually maybe I do have a bit of Nathan Jones about me because I'm thinking about this game as a shot to nothing for us really we've got no pressure it's all on them but that actually is a real thing um, and they are obviously under a bit of pressure they are dropping points they will be a bit nervous. Yeah, we do have a decent team. That's the thing. Like we can score. I don't think anybody would. Were you, were you convinced that we would score today? Because I was. 
Ah, yeah. Every time we play against Man City, I think that Ollie Watkins will do something. He'll either score a goal or he'll create a goal. I always think there's a possibility of John Stones getting lost under a high ball. There's just... <laughs> I, I go into Man City games far too optimistic and all yeah. built around the fact that, as we all agreed during this podcast, that Pep Guardiola is not, in fact, the greatest manager in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, Liam, I left Ollie Watkins in my fantasy team even though they were away to Man City. Kept them up front, got the seven points. And we can talk about that the next day, see how we're going. We'll check back in because the double game week isn't finished yet. So, um, yeah, I'll let you know how it's going. Sweet. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, sorry for the downbeat nature of this one, but there was nothing else to do, really. Thanks for uh, helping us through it. And hopefully we've got better times ahead. Let's put this one to bed. And uh, in the words of our old idol, I'll see you all again soon. Until next time.